Let's begin with a word of prayer. My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. This morning, I'd like to talk about community. And by definition, a community is a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. Now, you've not met my children. They're grown-ups, and they live all over. However, if you were to line my children up, there's no doubt in anybody's mind that they're all related. We all got my mom's nose, and two out of three of them got the brown eyes. Have you met families like that? Like, you, oh, you're a Smith, or you're, you, right? They have a common characteristic, community. The second definition of community is this, a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, or goals. So you know what that makes us? A community. But we are not members of just one community, we're members of many communities. Raise your hand if you're a member of the Phillies community. There you go. We already have our tickets for Friday. Right? Raise your hand if you're a member of a community that cheers for a football team, not specific. There we go. We don't want to start any fights in church. Right? Some of us are members of the community that likes the old hymns. Some of us are part of the praise team community. We want the choruses. Some of us are part of an NIV community or a King James community or only my Bible with the red letters, so now I know what Jesus said. We're, we are parts of many communities. There's actually research on communities. I don't know if you know this. They say there are five kinds if you're taking notes. There's, number one is a community of shared interest. We would fall into that category. Our job is to tell people about Jesus, get to heaven, and... Take as many people with us as we can. The second kind is called an action community. There are communities that want to change or make a difference. We're part of that community as well. The third one is a place. Are you proud of the town in which you live? Maybe your local high school's football or baseball or field hockey team, right? I live in, and you say the name proudly. I didn't know until I went to college that people in this country looked down on New Jersey. I've lived in New Jersey my whole life, the Garden State. We used to drive down to Camden and watch them unload the tomatoes. Did you ever do that? They put the big trucks in, and then you, you could watch them roll into the plant. It was, I mean, New Jersey. We got the shore. We're just across the way from Philadelphia. People look down on us. How dare they? I'm proud of my state. Right? I actually served a church where one part of a couple was a Baptist and his wife was a Methodist. And he told people for 50 years he was in that church that I'm not a Methodist. I'm not. In essence, he was saying, I am not part of this community. I'm here because my wife makes me come. Community. The fourth one is practice. There, there are communities that make music. Bell choir is a perfect example of a community. 10, 12 people working together, each one of them gets one or two notes, and they make beautiful music. They have, they're sharing a talent or an interest or a skill. And the last one, I'm sorry to say, is a circumstantial community. That's what the lepers fell into. I want you to think about this for a second. These lepers weren't born lepers. Leprosy, Hansen's disease, 
comes on people usually in their late teens and 20s. And in Jesus' time, they didn't know about germs. They didn't know about hygiene. And they thought of it as a curse. And there were rules in Leviticus about how to handle skin diseases. And yes, the priest was the authority on the skin disease, and you had to go and show him. And if he said you had leprosy, you were now removed from all of your communities. It wasn't much different than us today. Vicki and I live in the same place. We share a similar interest. We have similar goals. We are a community. If I have leprosy, I'm not part of that community anymore. I'm part of the community of faith at King's. In fact, most days I think I'm the leader of the community at King's. If I have leprosy, I'm not in that community anymore. I have a community of teachers. We sit down at lunch and we, we talk about the students behind their back. We talk about other teachers behind their back. We talk about administrators behind their back. It's fun to be in the teacher's room. If I get leprosy, I'm not part of that community anymore. In fact, if you had leprosy, you were not allowed to live in the community anymore. You had to remove yourself. There were leper colonies, or these were, these were wandering lepers. They went from place to place. And when they came across a person who was not a leper, they had to shout, unclean. What a greeting that is. Unclean, unclean. So that they would not interfere or share their disease or, in Bible terms, their curse with any other community. All lepers had been in a community, family, towns, faith, employment. They belonged somewhere, and now they didn't belong anywhere. All ten had their communities, hear this, ripped away from them by a disease over which they had no control. They were lost. They were lonely. They were broken. They were bruised. They were hurt. They were hated, homeless, helpless, and hopeless. Because in Jesus' time, there was no cure for leprosy except for the miraculous. All ten, think about this, found a new community of shared goals, shared interests, shared support, shared identity, and shared purpose. They were actually in a community of lepers. And then they met Jesus. Now, we identify ourselves in community. I talked about this a little earlier. We identify, identify with our families or with our churches, with our hobbies or pastimes. I look forward to singing with my friends at the opera chorus. I love making beautiful music with people I love. I'm part of a community. Your town. Think about this. Your political ideology is a community. You, you sort of lean towards the people who think and believe like you do. School is a community. Yesterday I said to Vicki, the Liberty Flames won. She's like, who's that? That's the f I went to what, five different colleges? I think I'm in my sixth now. Only one of them has sports teams. So I cheer for the Liberty Flames. They're at the top of their conference. They're five and one. Go Liberty. Vicki didn't go to Liberty. She could care less about Liberty. The only time she wants Liberty is when we're going outside to the fire and she borrows my Liberty hoodie. It's nice and warm, right? 
Our careers can be a community. Illness and disease can be a community. If you sit down to lunch and somebody's poking their arm or their finger, we're part of a community, aren't we? There's a diabetic community. Oh, what was your... Has anybody asked you what your blood sugar was this morning? Because diabetics ask each other that question. What was yours this morning? Mine was a little high this morning. It was 140. Usually I'm in the 120s. But as diabetics go, that's a pretty good number. Ladies, you're in a shoe community. I've never seen a man go up to another man and go, guess how much I paid for these? <laughs> right? <laughs> there's, a, there's a BOGO sale over at uh, DXW or whatever it is. But you're in a shoe community. There's a handbag community. Uh, there's, there's those bags that have patterns on them. They, they put the little catalog in the lunchroom and the teacher's like, Ooh, ooh, none of the men teachers look in the handbag community. I just like, you know, but they're there. What, what, oh, I can't remember the name. What, what's the name? Vera Bradley. Vera Bradley. There you go. It's a community. There's a car community. Have you noticed when you buy a brand new car, you, you look for all the other people that drive the same car you do? And we talked about this earlier. There's a sports teams community. Here's where it gets difficult, but we're all in a community in which None of us talk about, rarely address, we are all in a community of sinners. If there's one community that everybody has in common, it's the fact that we have fallen short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And just like the lepers, and then we meet Jesus. Jesus invites us into a community of faith, Forgiveness, following, and farmers. You'll get that one in a second. But, right, John 1.12 says, To as many as received him, to them he gave the power to be the children of God. We are invited into a community of faith. The lepers were invited to re-enter a community of faith. We're forgiven. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We are forgiven. There's a community to share. And we're followers. Matthew 16, 20 says, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. By the way, I did not plan for them all to begin with the letter F. But after three of them, I said, I better find a fourth. And the fourth one is this. We're farmers. We are supposed to sow the seeds and harvest the blessings. Now, I want you to know, and I want you to notice, that this is not a sermon on gratitude. I have not wagged my finger and told you all that you need to more, be more gracious and more gratitudinal, if that's a real word, to Jesus. This is a sermon on community. Jesus invites us to be part of his community. However, he was also very clear that the response to the blessing of God should always be gratitude. You may have heard this sport story. Ed Spencer was a seminary student near Lake Michigan. And he was wakened that there were shouts that there was a shipwreck off shore. An excursion boat from the nearby Chicago harbor had collided with a freighter and was sinking. Spencer ran down to the lake and he could see the lights from the boats and he was a very strong swimmer. 
And he plunged into the icy water to search for survivors. For six hours, Spencer swam and searched for survivors and single-handedly rescued 17 people. Fewer than one-fourth of the 400 passengers survived, but 17 owed their survival to Ed Spencer. Years later, they were doing a story on the Great Lakes, and a reporter found Ed Spencer at a nursing home in California. And he asked for his recollections of that night, and here's the first thing he said. The only thing I remember is that not one of the 17 ever thanked me. Saving them, hear this, did not require a thank you. Could you imagine? He swam out and he found somebody drowning and he said, are you going to thank me (laughs) if I get you to shore? It was not part of the blessing. He saved them. But the debt that they owed was the thank you. Do you hear this resonating with your Christian heart? Jesus saves us and our response needs to be a thank you. When we do something for somebody else, it creates a psychological debt. And I want you to hear this as well. And I, I'm very proud of both one of our members. I don't want to say the name on the recording. One of our members needed help today. And one of our deacons said, I will go with you. That's why we didn't have special music today. Because those two are off. Because no one should carry a burden alone. I never heard this story before, but I found it this week. Dr. Albert Schweitzer was in his 80s and was giving a tour of his jungle hospital at Lamborghini. I hope I said that right. As he was showing, you know, giving the, the cook's tour, as they say, there was a lady climbing a hill with a whole armload of firewood. And she was struggling to get up the hill, and Schweitzer, who was in his mid-80s, went over, took all of the wood from the lady and carried it up the hill for her. When he went back, all the people were amazed, and they they said, why did you do that? Like, you're 86 years old. He said, no one should have to carry their burden alone. We have been blessed. We have been forgiven. We live in a community of faith and follow Jesus. Need to look for opportunities to help carry others' burdens. We need to become a community of burden bearers, not burden sharers. I want you to hear that. Somebody says, oh, I have this problem, and we commiserate with them. Oh, that's awful. I'm sorry that happened to you. It must be frustrating or angering or depressing. And yet our hands and our feet and sometimes our wallets should get involved, but we're just sharing the burden. We're not carrying the burden. Sometimes being a community is as simple as saying grace. I want you to hear this. My parents made us say grace everywhere. We say grace at the pub. We said grace at Chubby's. We said grace at Howard Johnson's on Friday, Fish Friday. We said grace at McDonald's and Burger Chef. My whole life we said grace. Set the way back machine. I'm in my mid-30s. Wife and kids are away, and I said, Mom and Dad, I'll come see you after work. I was at the mall ministry, so I've got my collar on. And we went over to the Crystal Lake Diner. Now it's the Westmont Diner, but the Crystal Lake Diner right there on Cuthbert Road. 
We sit down, we order, the food comes, and my parents started eating like heathens. <laughs> they didn't say grace. I said, Mom, Dad, my entire life we have said grace wherever we were. Somebody taps on my shoulder. I look around, there's this little tiny lady. She goes, Father, it worked. I had the collar on. Right? Her idea was, say grace, he became a priest, our job is done. I'm saying, no, our job is not done. We need to be thankful all the time. I found this anecdote, and i got to share it with you. Greg Anderson, in Living Life on Purpose, tells a story about a man whose wife had left him. He was depressed and living in a hotel, and he decided to go down to the neighborhood restaurant on a rainy day for dinner. Breakfast, I'm sorry, breakfast. When he got there... It was one of those wet, damp, dark days, and nobody was talking to anybody. It was like the silence diner. In one of the small booths, there was a window with a young mom and a little girl, and they'd been served their food when the little girl broke the silence and shouted, Mama, why aren't we saying grace here? The waitress, who had just served their breakfast, turned around and said, Honey, we pray here. Will you say the prayer for us? Then the waitress turned and looked at the rest of the restaurant and said, bow your heads. Surprisingly, one by one, all the heads went down. The little girl bowed her head and she said, God is great. God is good. And we thank him for our food. Amen. And the author says that the prayer changed the entire atmosphere. People began to talk. People began to share and laugh. And the waitress said, we should do this every morning. That little girl changed a restaurant of individuals into what? A community. Jesus died for us, hear this, while we were yet, parentheses, ungrateful sinners. Jesus didn't say, I'll die for you if you promise to say thank you. Jesus loved us cared for us, died for us when we were totally ungrateful and unaware. Our salvation is not dependent on our gratitude. However, our gratitude should be based on our repaying of the debt that we owe Jesus. If you have never accepted Jesus' invitation to be part of the community of faith, we would love to talk and pray with you about that. Make today the day that you become part of this community of faith. If you're in the community of faith, but need to increase your attitude of gratitude, start today. And if you have a burden that you are carrying alone and need counseling or prayer or support from the community of faith, if you're online, we would love to pray with you or pray for you. And you can find us at the King's Community Baptist Church on Facebook. And if you're in person... As always, come forward during the last hymn and our front pew is open. Our pastors and the deacons would love the opportunity to pray with you and pray for you. Let's make this a real faith community. Amen.